You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. We just finished the book of Romans, and uh, I'm going to actually ultimately venture into another book. But today, I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak about just a unique subject matter, one that I've kind of been praying about for a, for a while, and uh, I think you'll get it soon enough, but I'm calling this message that the door is open. And I'm going to talk about a variety of doors in the Bible. So a little bit more of a survey text. I'm not going to be sitting in one text. I'm going to be taking a little bit more of a doctrinal survey uh, related to this, and it's called The Door is Open. And so let me pray now. Lord Jesus, come, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, and be glorified now in all that we say and do in your name and through the teaching of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The door is open. The door is open. So, so what I wanna what I wanna first chase is the idea that to live and to live in Christ is, is actually to be in Jesus. There's a phrase that I want us to understand, and it's called positional truth. What it means that Jesus has grabbed you out of the darkness of this world. He's grabbed you out of, out of these two kings. Romans actually says there's two kings. One is sin and one is death. Do you, do you feel sin and feel death sometimes coming upon you? That, that's the world system. And so Romans says there's those two kings in a sense, sin and death. And so the door is open to be taken out of sin and death and to live in Christ in a life that's actually full of abundance. That life full of abundance will not be minus challenges. Don't, don't, don't misconstrue that. Don't, don't think of it like easy street. Think of it as truthful street. Think of it as glory street. Think of it as power street. But if you need miracles, there's going to be a mountain in front of you that God's going to have to show you how to overcome. But I want to proclaim that it is this abundance that Christ has for us in salvation, in the Christian life. And I say that because I feel as if our culture and, and, and even churches, if I'll say this broadly, are too slow coming out of this pandemic. People are still too freaked out in their mind. And, uh, and so they have to understand, and we have to help the world to understand that the door is open to go live to go enjoy life, to go enjoy Jesus Christ. The door is open. The door is open to bless your children. The door is open to go and follow Jesus Christ. The door is actually open. And so I want to preach this message of hope this way. So I'll be giving you kind of like the headline of it and then a chapter and a verse. You can just take note of it and write it down. It'll only be the last one or two verses that'll actually kind of read the Bible specifically to you. So let me, let me see if I can get there uh, quickly. So the first door is what I'm going to call the, 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 the door, the eastern door. And this is out of Genesis chapter 3. So just write it down by reference. Some of you will know enough of this story. This is the door of return. Okay, so if you're in my Tuesday night Bible study, you understand some of this we've been talking about. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. Everybody should say yes. Yes? Yes. Okay, so because of that sin, they left the Garden of Eden. What direction did they go? Did they go north, south, east, west? They went east. 
Okay, they went east. That's going to become an important understanding of a compass in the Old Testament. They live east. And it's so important they live east. And so there's an angel that's put in front of this Garden of Eden so that they cannot return. So now the tabernacle, which is a tent-like structure like this in the Old Testament, and these are the books of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy as an example. Uh, there's, there's just this tabernacle, it's a tent, it's approximately this size. And then there's a larger outer courtyard related to it. So during that tabernacle period, that tabernacle, which has the Ark of the Covenant in it, has an eastward orientation. And then the temple would have an eastward orientation. Why? Because the Bible tells us that someday Jesus will come representing us. He'll come and he'll enter through an east gate and reestablish his kingdom. That's a future prophetic time. We were this week talking about this east gate and this door of return the idea that we can return to God, sort of this is like a spiritual representative of that. And, and so we talked about something that happened very recently where uh, five perfect red heifers have landed in Jerusalem. So, if you, so let me explain this. So, so years ago, this is in the mid-90s, when I was a much younger man. <laughs> Emphasis on much younger man. And I was in downtown Jerusalem. In fact, my wife and I were living in Israel for a couple of months. And, and, and so I went into what was called the Temple Institute. There's something else called the Third Temple Foundation. But the Temple Institute, this is in the mid-90s, were planning, planning on, on the Messiah's return. And so therefore, we're making... Uh, all the instruments necessary for, for the temple and the sacrifices. And I, I sat in these classes that they had, which were just these videos and these discussions. It was really fascinating. But the one thing that was needed was this red heifer. Now, let me explain the red heifer. You probably know the animal sacrifices for sin. Just, you know, basically, did you do something wrong? Well, we're going to cook an animal for you. Right? And that's going to be done ritualistically. If it's a whole Old Testament, there's a couple time periods that you might know. The most famous is Passover. So if you've heard of Passover, raise your hand. Okay, now, good, thank you. Now, you might not know the significance of all of Passover. That's okay. The Passover is the payment for sin, but it was not permanent. Why? It's not a human being. And even if it was a human being, it wouldn't work because they have their own sin. And so God himself has to come and offer his blood as a blood sacrifice for our sins so that we would be redeemed. So, to the point, these red heifers are different than that animal sacrifice. They actually are part of what needs to take place so that the priest can actually be ritualistically pure and start in this ministry of this temple ministry. This is all predicted part of this Bible this millennial kingdom where the temple will actually start up again. So these red heifers, actually, you know, I had to laugh when I heard this, but these heifers are from Texas. <laughs> so I just thought it was kind of funny, like there are all these Jewish rabbis looking for a perfect red heifer and they found one in Texas. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but it was funny to me. You know, I just can't stop laughing about that, you know. And the rabbis are in their, you know, total, total rabbinic garb. They're hanging out with a bunch of cowboys with stereotypical, you know, 10-gallon hats and jeans and boots and all that kind of stuff. Going, yep, that's a perfect red heifer. <laughs> Spiritually, most people have heard of something called the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus had 
his passionate moments there before going to the cross. So the north, south, east, southwest orientation, the temple would be looking eastward. Uh, so for, for us, it'd be that way. And the temple would be looking eastward. What there was at one time was sort of like a, a, a bridge, kind of, kind of rickety. The pictures are more robust, but kind of rickety. And they took this red heifer and they dragged him. They could not go north. Why? Because there's an army battalion there to protect him. They could not go west because that's a completely urbanized area. They could not go south for the same reason. So they get outside the camp, according to the teachings of Numbers chapter 19, verse 2. They had to go east across this bridge. They dragged this huge red heifer over there, and they're going to barbecue him on cedar wood. And they have to go far, far away from the temple, and far away is what we call Gethsemane. And right on top of that spot is where the red heifer was. Total prophetic significance of the person of Christ who someday would have his passion moments there. Here's what I want you to understand. All of that. I know you might be saying, I didn't get all of that, Pastor. Okay, well, come to my Tuesday night Bible. We'll help you. Help you out with that. You can return to God. That's what that's all about. That's what all of that is saying. You feel far from God? You feel like maybe it's too late in my life. Maybe there's a story, a narrative of sin or some disappointment. Maybe, maybe something was taken from you that hurts you so deeply you can't even talk about it. There's a return. That door is open and there is a return. Let me go on now and I can go for a long time on that, but I got a few more points. So, Okay, so there's a second door. It's kind of interesting. I'm going to call this the door of safety that only God can close. The door of safety that only God can close. You're gonna love this. This is the door of the ark, not the ark of the covenant. This is Noah's ark. Everybody say Noah. Noah. There you go. It's Noah's ark, not the ark of the covenant. That's found in Genesis chapter seven, verse 16. So what you have to understand is that God comes to Noah and he says, I gotta recalibrate the whole salvation process. I'm gonna have a covenant with you. And, and you're going to build this ark, this boat, that, and everybody's going to think you're totally weird. Everybody's going to think you're totally checked out, but I want you to do it. He does it. He's faithful to it. And God says, you're going to actually have a door to that ark, to that boat, and you just leave it open. Why? Why do I leave it open? I mean, if there's a flood coming, I want to close the door. And the Lord says, I'll do it. In fact, the Bible specifically says that God actually shut him in. So I don't know what the travails are in your life. We all have them. Following Jesus Christ, trusting God, we all have travails. Jesus himself said, in this lifetime of world, you'll have many what? Many troubles or tribulations, depending upon your translation. And so, so this door of safety that only God can close, this ark door, is exactly what God is actually doing and wanting to do in your life. He is wanting to shut you in from so many travails. And he wants to shut you in into a safety spot. All right, you've got dramas, you've got traumas. We, if we listen to everyone's dramas and traumas today, well, we wouldn't have enough time today to listen to everyone's dramas and traumas. What you need is to walk in that ark door where God will then shut you in and take you on a journey of deliverance. So I like that. I like that ark door. I call it a door of safety that only God can close. 
Okay, third. So first we had this eastern door, a door of return. We had secondly, this ark door, a door of safety that only God can use. Third, we have what I'm going to call a Goshen door. This is a someday door. It's kind of related to hope. So Goshen, G-O-S-H-E-N, Goshen. This is related to the book of Exodus. So just read the whole book of Exodus or the very end of Genesis. Goshen was, was, is the Suez Canal. So that's just an easy way of thinking of its topography. You think, okay, where, where, where's this land of Goshen, Egypt? It's the Suez Canal, approximately. And, and just from there, where a couple million Israelites were ultimately living. But that was a trade route, and very wealthy traders would come by. Perhaps you and I aren't really used to thinking of, of, of trade routes quite that way. I mean, we live here. But if you go down to Los Angeles, you go not too far from where my wife and I were from, you can look down on the LA Harbor and the San Pedro Harbor. And on some days you look out, that harbor, well, I don't know how many boats are there. And I don't even know how many boats are, are out waiting to get in, waiting to be brought in. Sometimes it's just a snake that you just watch all of these boats from all over the world are coming to bring their goods. But where you'll feel the effect is if you choose to drive down in Long Beach. And, and those, those highways have these huge trucks and, and they don't play nice sometimes on the road. If you're in a little Honda, I mean, kind of look out, you know, because those truckers are going. And that's a trade route. It's going to go up Highway 5. They're going to go to Arizona. They're going to go to different parts of California. And they're going to drop their goods of all different kinds. And people are going to make money off of that. Well, Goshen was on a trade route exactly like that. Only they didn't get to participate in it because they're slaves. And so they would only look at the land of Israel or what would become the land of Israel and say, boy, wouldn't it be great if someday we could? Would it be nice if someday that would happen to us? Ever thought that? Ever hear testimonies of Christ of all different versions and go, gee, that someday that'd be nice if that was me. That's that, that, that's that someday door. As in someday, I would love to be able to have that. Well, here's what I'm here to tell you in Christ. Someday is here. Someday is now. Someday is Today. And you can step into that place. You can step into that place. You can't. Okay, going now. Number four. So I had the eastern door. I had the ark door. I had the Goshen door. I'm not going to dwell on this. This is fourth, the door of captivity. So this is the book of Jeremiah. You can just read the whole book of Jeremiah, the whole book of Isaiah, where sin, carnality, sexual compromise, many, many other things cause problems. And so what happened in this great nation of Israel where they were blessed of God, they had the Ark of the Covenant there, tremendous supernatural power and story after story of God's deliverance, but their persistence to resist God, persistence to resist God, meant that they would ultimately be taken captive, captive in places that they didn't want to be. And you and I need to be sobered by that. God's calling you, everyone here, to purity and holiness. He's calling us here to a different life and lifestyle. And our lifestyle in Christ is not of the world. It's not of social media. It's very, very different. That's a door of captivity, and we want to stay away from that door. Five, <clears throat> eastern door, ark door, Goshen door, captivity door. So this is really profound. I want you to listen to this. It's called the door of focus and discipline. And my reference is 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 19. It's a fascinating story. So there's a guy, he's got a weird name in the Bible. His name's Uriah. 
And he's known as called Uriah the Hittite. And he had a wonderful wife, a beautiful wife, a gorgeous wife, maybe a too pretty a wife. And her name's Bathsheba. And Uriah was a faithful man. And so he's so faithful to the king that the king asks for war and he goes in the days, it says when days when kings go out to war, he goes out to war, he's faithful, he's faithful. So then David, of course, is gonna have sex with her and she's gonna become pregnant, if you know the story of David and Bathsheba. In fact, when it says the lineage of David in Matthew's gospel, you know how Bathsheba's mentioned? She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. It's the door of focus and discipline because in the story of 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 11, what David is trying to do, he says, I know, I'm the king. So bring Uriah back home. And then I'm going to tell Uriah to go be with your wife. You know, go have fun. I know that we're out having battles and all of that, but no, 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 I want you to come home and do that. Uriah is so focused. He's such a man of discipline that he says, while my troops that I'm in charge of are out dying and fighting, I'm not going to go be with my wife. I'm not going to go enjoy the pleasures of this lifetime. I'm not going to go drink and have Mary. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 9, that he instead defied the king's command and slept at the door of his house. He slept outside at the door of the king's house saying, no, if my men are outside troubled, these are my men. So you probably have to have a military background to understand the loyalty of that. I'm going to, therefore, going to sleep outside because my men are suffering. That's a door of focus and discipline. And there is a door of focus and discipline that God wants you to walk in and walk through. It's not always comfortable. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you. If I were to sit and go, hey, how often is discipline comfortable for you? What would you all say? Yeah, that's right. No, no. But it pays off and there's blessing there. Okay, next door as we sort of make our way through this, this outline here. <clears throat> Number six. So just very briefly, Psalm chapter Psalm 141, verse 3 says that your mouth is a door of sin. <laughs> How about that one? Your mouth is a door of sin. So that's right. We want to make sure that we're careful with that. James will tell us that our mouth is a fire. A tongue of fire will be the language there. Psalm 141, verse 3 will use this door of sin as an illustration. But we want with our mouths to be those who bless. We want with our mouths to be those who give life. Everybody around us is cursing. Everybody on social media is cursing. There's all different levels of that. And you're invited socially to participate in that. You have business meetings where you're invited to participate in that. Don't. Be someone who gives blessing and love. Okay, next. So there's a door of focus and discipline, a door of sin in your mouth. Number seven, door of a joyful servant. <clears throat> so this is Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 17. I like this phrase. So this is where if you really loved your master, what you would do is you would go to your master. This is Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 17. And you would say, I love you, master. I love you, master. I want to serve you all the days of my life. And so he took you to the doorpost of his house and he pierced your ear. Now, I really find it fascinating that the Bible doesn't tell us which ear was pierced. 
So I, didn't, I never got an ear piercing, even back in the day when my friends were all getting one, it was cool. Because I'm kind of nerdy. And so I could not figure out, like, okay, is the right ear the cool ear? Like, is that, is that, do you get it pierced on the right side or do you get it pierced on the left side? Do you get both? Maybe it's both. Right, the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible tells us that at the door of this joyful servant at the master's house, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 17, that they went there and they pierced the servant's ear, most likely on one side, and that was a, a demarcation, a sign. This is my master. I love my master. I will serve my master all the days of her life. And we are invited in Christ to understand God in that same way. Okay, next, you're gonna like this one. This is a door of deliverance. Door of deliverance, Daniel chapter three, verse 26. Daniel chapter three, verse 26. This is a door of deliverance from the fiery furnace. Man, I love this one. I absolutely love this one. This is by their, this isn't their Hebrew names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's not their Hebrew names. And so they, they won't worship. They won't, they won't listen to the king. And so they're, they're put in this fiery furnace, like no joke, like this is an oven with flames coming up. In fact, the Bible is going to say there's one like the Son of God. We understand that to be a, a pre, uh, uh, it's called a theophany, a pre-appearance of Jesus. And so he's there, and these people are just walking around. The flames are burning and burning, but it's not burning them. And I believe Christ has that for you. I believe he has it for us. And so the door of deliverance. So here's what the king says. The literally says the king came to the door and he opens the door and he says, has your God saved and delivered you? Yeah, I'm gonna show you right now. And they walk out. The Bible will go in such detail to say they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, we're gonna make, you know, in a couple of weeks here, a week or two, we're gonna barbecue. Everybody around that barbecue is going to smell like smoke, right? You have to wash your clothes. These guys came out of this fiery furnace, this torture chamber. They didn't even smell like smoke. There's a door of deliverance from the fiery furnace for you in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay. Now to the New Testament, and I'm going to camp on one or two. Luke chapter 13, verse 24. There's a narrow door. So sometimes I talk about these blessings and everyone thinks that they can go live however they want and get them. No, it's a narrow door. It's a narrow door. You have to understand the teachings of the Bible. Uh, apply yourself to Bible study. Apply yourself to prayer. Apply yourself there to walk through these narrow doors. Luke chapter 13, verse 24. Next, Jesus says, I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus himself now is identifying, do you want all the blessings of God? He's saying, I actually am that door. I actually am that door that you're going to walk through. Now go to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to camp on, and I'm going to run for home. You guys are doing great. You're doing great. Revelation chapter 3. And there's a verse there that I want to read about. And this is a church. It's actually a church. In verse 15, starting, I'm going to read the last part of the chapter. It says, Jesus is going to say, I'm in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. It says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
Everyone, when they read that, should say, oh my, right? So it's better, it's better for you to be hot. I want, I want everything that Jesus, Jesus wants. Or it's better for you to be cold. Nah, I don't want Jesus. Don't be caught in the middle. Verse 17, for you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel, these are Jesus here talking, to buy from gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness and may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What Jesus is saying is I'm knocking on your heart right now. I am knocking and I am asking you to open up inner chambers in your life and to let me in. And I will actually come hang out with you. I will actually eat with you. What is eating? Eating is something usually celebratory or social, friendly, um, uh, very close and intimate. I will come in, I will eat with you. If it's Middle Eastern culture of Jesus' day, when you sit down to eat, you're going to be there all day. I mean, you're going to be there just all, all day. It's going to be great. So Jesus is saying that I want to come in to your life. And I'm actually knocking on that door. Now we're going to go to Revelation 4. In Revelation chapter 4, just a few verses down, verse 1 says, After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first verse which I said to me was like a trumpet. This is a door open in heaven and the door that Jesus knocks on. If you allow Christ into your life, there is a door in heaven open to you. It's heaven's door, it's heaven's blessing, but it's also very unique in that you can walk with these promises and with this confidence about you and understand that this is heaven's door. And the rest of the chapter is really interesting. You know what the rest of the chapter is? You see God's glory. You have a whole new perspective. You understand things that you didn't understand before. You appreciate things you never appreciated before. You have kind of power that you never had before. So these are these doors. The doors are open. God has opened certain doors. And for you, my friend, is to understand that Christ is that door to walk in and that you actually need to understand responses that are continual for you to enjoy the Christian life and for you to experience power through prayer, through love, through witnessing, through worship, through truth, and that there actually is a door open in heaven unto you. And that's supernatural and a miracle. I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to ask my prayer team just to come up here. And I'm going to ask the church to come and pray that you guys would walk and know these doors and that you'd walk in. I got to say this for sure. You do this by faith. I mean, I can walk through the book and I can tell you here where Jesus was. I can take you to, I can take you to Israel and I hope to take us to Israel again soon. And I can show you Jesus here, Jesus there, Moses was here, Israelites were there. That's all great. It's fun. It's wonderful. But you will actually open and go through these doors by faith. You'll accept them by faith. And you'll understand the love of God by faith. And doing so will engage you in a supernatural transaction. 
Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.